Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. This episode is part two of a three-part series on Quibi that was recorded in January of 2021. Even so, the information in these episodes is still largely accurate. Don't worry, I cut anything that is now considered incorrect or out of date. That said, throughout the episode, I make mention of Quibi's catalog of shows turning into lost media due to the closure of the app. Although Roku Channel has purchased the library and therefore currently holds their rights, only a handful of Quibi original shows are featured on the service. Of the five shows featured in this episode, only one is available to stream on Roku Channel, at least as of this episode's posting. If you're curious in watching any of these shows, I've included their Just Watch links in the show notes. Just Watch is a website that shows where any show or movie is streaming at any given time, and it's possible that during the time you're hearing this episode that one or more of these shows have become available, but who's to say? Otherwise, if the majority of these shows remain lost media, then I suppose this episode will have to do. In the meantime, enjoy the episode. So Daniel, I watched 10 different shows on Quibi. Are you ready to get some Quibi FOMO? Um, I don't know, man. Are you just not in the mood <laughs> for Quibi? You um, just got like other things on your mind, just life, life coming at you. It's been a tough year. Quibi is like the least of everyone's problems, unless you work for it. Then that's a pretty <laughs> big problem. So yeah, it's a major problem in your life. I, I am curious like i more than anything i just really want to know because like we've established in our previous uh episode part one of this quibi journey journey yeah based on what we've established in our first episode i don't know anything about the shows themselves because they're the both the both the app itself and what it carried was so poorly marketed that I just don't even it's I don't feel like I'm missing out because I don't know what I'm missing out on. So what right. I'm hoping is that you'll change my mind that I will feel like Quibi was this unearthed gold mine. And really what we need is for a reboot of Quibi, a Quibi part two or Disney to buy Quibi and relaunch it as their mobile version of Disney plus or something. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send you a list of every Quibi show. You're going to just pick one by name. I'm going to tell you about it. Or you, no, you pick one by name and tell me what you think it's about. And I will tell you how accurate or inaccurate you are and then explain it. And then we'll go from there. How does that sound? Sounds great. I'm really bad at improv. So get ready for some hilarious zingers from the dancer about. Um, so 50 States of Fright. Um, is this. I'm. Do you want, so? Do I name it and then do I guess what it is? Or yep. Yeah. Go you're, ahead. You're the game show host here. What's the you named rules? it? Fifty States of Fright. Tell me about this. I'm going to assume based on the marketing of Quibi. Tell me what the show <laughs> is about. Um, I do not remember any marketing for the show, so I'm going to go based on the name. Um, and I'm pretty sure you mentioned this in the previous episode. Did you mention this show? I. I didn't market it. Quibi did, right? Quibi, Quibi told you what's on their service. Tell me, Daniel, what's 50 States of Fright about? 
so because <laughs> in in the name you sent me, there's like three different titles: Golden Arm, Ball of Twine, Scared Stiff. I'm going to assume it is some sort of uh, anthology horror with the gimmick being that each episode takes place in a different state of the United States of America. And that is based entirely on the title. And the fact I'm pretty sure you talked about this show in part one. You're right. It is an anthology horror series that is supposed to track through each state's sort of like a unique story. Now they advertise saying it's the scariest folklore, but I think some of them are also just straight originals. And uh, tell me how many states that they got through before Quibi shut down. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to guess seven. They got through nine. Okay, a little better. A little better. I, of course, only got through three. That is why we tracked the Golden (laughs) Arm Ball of Twine and Scared Stiff. Now, does each episode deal with the horror that is really central to um, the state? Like, is there an episode about the Mothman from I'm just blanking on the state that the Mothman was in or like, is it really like tied to like, if they were to do like an Alaska episode, for example, is it going to be a horror story about somebody who's caught in like a blizzard and something's chasing them through the snow kind of thing? Or, or is each episode more or less just a horror movie with someone having a different regional accent or rain, rain, we blurred out a local uh, thing like, don't best not to go near the Liberty Bell, you know, or something or like, do they actually kind of mine the the local scenery for for some chills and thrills? Somewhat. I mean, one of them. So, for instance, the ball of twine one in Kansas is a cup is a daughter and a mother visiting a small town to visit like the giant ball of twine in this one little town. And um, they sort of play up the fact that they're so they're an Asian family visiting this town. And there's some dialogue that implies that they are other in the middle of Kansas. So they get a little topical there. So they kind of they kind of do that. And the Ball of Time one was actually pretty fun. I, I enjoyed that one with some of its cosmic horror. So, for instance, and and. I so here's what I'm gonna do. I just realized as I'm explaining this, I'm like, I would technically be spoiling it if I explain it more, but as far as I'm concerned, all this stuff is lost <laughs> media and you can't even watch it currently. So it's not really spoilers. Um it's just got really fun stuff. So there's ball of twine people, people that like when they get cut and attacked, they are basically just made of yarn, which I thought was really cute. I like anthology horror because it can do stuff like that. Like I couldn't see a movie feature length about this ball of yarn that's like a beast or creature that is like worshipped and all these people are made out of yarn that's just not that does not really sound i mean you could probably really try and make it good but um but as a short it's pretty fun and so i that's cool but i'm not sure how connected ball of yarn balls of yarn are to kansas i don't actually even know if a ball of twine or yarn is in kansas like a massive one so like i just can't I can't explain it to you. I think I think what this series is more interested in is just sort of a gimmick titled 50 States of Fright here. Just act like this mm. is from this state. Move on. So, for instance, the golden arm one, like that one is just about a woman who gets a golden arm and then dies and then comes back to try to kill anybody who steals her golden arm. Um is that cultural? I don't. I don't know. Or in the, and now, scared stiff is set in Oregon, and that one's like frozen, and it has a Sasquatch in it. So that one's pretty fun. In fact, that was my favorite. All right, that's cool. Um, and that one featured James Ransom, 
who Ransone, I apologize, who is from It Chapter Two. People also recognize from the Sinister Films, a film that we covered in October. Go check it out. And um, so they have the. It's kind of fun because I think what they did with this series is more. They were more interested in the name recognition of actors they could get to come in for like a day or two of shooting than I think they were in the premise because. I don't know. That just seems to be the case of how they went it. For instance, Ball of Twine has the actor um, Karen Allen, who you may or may not recognize from Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana oh. Jones, The Sandlot, Malcolm X. Uh, so they sort of just pulled out actors that either just needed to meet their quota in terms of acting guild to keep their insurance or to to build name recognition. I don't know. It was fun. And I think I watched the ball of twine one with my wife. She also likes anthology horror. So I think, uh, I think 50 States of Fright was pretty cool, but all like all anthology series, there's some losers and the golden arm, despite being the first one and also a Sam Raimi directed project and written, I think uh, it was kind of the weakest one. And so making that your first one kind of stinks. So now, I mean, we, we actually haven't gotten really into, um, using the app or anything like that really so far, but how did watching this on Quibi affect like the horror? El- so, cause like there's something about watching like a horror film where you're like sitting on either you're in a th- big theater, which is like pitch black, which kind of helps you to me, at least it helps you get lost in the story or like if you're alone and like you're you know sitting on your couch or whatever, watching a movie, like there's an, el- there's a sense of like losing yourself in something that helps heighten the experience of watching a horror film, how does watching something on your phone, the way, the way God intended the <laughs> Quibi, um, how does that affect the, like, you know, rising tension or like getting the creeps and the chills, so to speak? Like how did the format slash the app itself affect the horror watching experience? Yeah. I don't think it really was improved or, or, I don't think it made it better or worse in terms of 50 States of Fright. Anthology horror series typically don't emotionally affect me. I just find them interesting and I like them as small vignettes that are sort of like themes or messages. So like the Ball of Twine episode, the mother and daughter were not on good terms, but by the end they are. And I know that um, I don't know their specific nationality, but I know that in Eastern cultures, like string attaching people is sort of significant of relationships and the, the kind of like inseparable nature between the two. And so like having that background knowledge of that particular quality, like watching it was definitely more of just a, I don't know, just the term I was going to think was a theoretical engagement, which I don't know how that, what that even means. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just throwing buzzwords out there. Yeah, just like like any typical film critic, of which I don't think we are, but <laughs> you just throw up fake words um, to make it sound like you know what you're talking about. Um, no, I don't. To, to really baseline answer your question, in this particular series, watching it on my phone was neither improved nor or ruined by it. Now, caveat um, to that is that I don't particularly care whether I'm watching something on movie home screen laptop or phone i guess i do in terms of like for chasing comfort actually if i'm chasing comfort i will watch my on my laptop in bed um that is the most comfortable and so watching on my phone i was also quite comfortable um in fact 
most of these or some of these, I was actually at my parents' house in my old bedroom on one of the comfiest beds in the world watching these. So like that doesn't really affect me. I think there's a lot of factors that go into play when watching a a film or series. And additionally, there are some series here on this list that were very, very effective in engaging me to the point that like my toes would curl in anxiety or like I was getting emotional, like I would start crying. Um, And so watching something on my phone doesn't really ruin that. I think Another thing too is a uh, an amount of these were were watched during the time when the advertisements vanished on the app, and so I didn't have these things cutting into the middle of my experience. I would argue that the seven to nine minute limitation with the apps included is more detrimental to the viewing experience than right. being on my phone. Does that sort of help contextualize the experience a bit? Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. And I mean, issues with like the length and ad breaks is also something that we can kind of lay on top of issues with the app itself, because that is designed to do that. Right. Okay. Because like, I, for me, I just assume that'd be difficult to, you know, forget that you're watching something where, yeah, you know, so, which to me hurts like tension for like horror, for example. I think if it's effective enough, you will forget that you are watching something. Just like if a book is good enough, you will forget that you're on the train or in your car or anywhere else. Um, I think I believe that quality is more in tune with the effectiveness of a narrative than it is the format of which it is engaged. But that doesn't mean that preferences don't get applied into that as well. Right. So. That's fair. Yeah. You may not know this, but the easiest way you can show your support for Cinematic Doctrine is to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. So press pause and share your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And then press play again so you can hear the rest of the show. But we've got nine other shows to get through, so <laughs> pick one. Um, tell me what you think it's about based on Quibi's marketing. <laughs> that's almost not a fair question. Just goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with the other one that you already have talked about, uh, just to get it out of the way, which is hashtag. But you gotta love any name with the hashtag in it. Hashtag free Sean. Now, I have bits and pieces of this already in my brain because you were talking about this is the one that has uh, Emmy nominations, correct? Correct. I'm going to assume based on the accolades given to it, as well as the title, um, that it is a show that deals with a viral marketing campaign to help um, free someone who's been wrongfully incarcerated. And I'm going to guess that the name actors you mentioned, one of whom is Lawrence Fishburne, Either is the father of Rishon or somebody working his case. So, yeah, I think it deals with kind of the viral marketing campaign. And my assumption would be that they're going to use the fact that you're watching on your phone via Quibi to kind of heighten the experience of watching sort of a um, like a social discussion slash, you know, like, you know, a viral movement dealing with some injustice to kind of heighten the experience of watching this kind of unfold. I think it'd be really cool. I don't know if they do this, but like if the show is broken up with like clips of people talking on Instagram and Twitter and news clips being shared. So you can kind of follow the case unfold via the unfolding media. That's my guess is as well as my things I think would be cool to do with something like that. But actually, how how close am I? uh, A fair amount of the 
characteristics that you mentioned are accurate, but how they're applied isn't. So, for instance, Lawrence okay. Fishburne is a police officer um, okay. who uh, is not like doing the case and is is somebody's dad, but not Rashawn's dad. And there is some relational familial um, stuff going on. And he is advocating for Rashawn. Now, the premise, of course, specifically is at the beginning of the series is a black man is in a beat up truck barreling down the road, fleeing from the police. You get no context. You just know this is happening. Um, and at some point, he runs into his apartment where his wife and his son are. He's blocking the doors and everything and then um, begins Instagramming. He goes Instagram live and he starts to talk about how he was set up and how the police are trying to get him. And outside, there are these really heated cops that are already getting out their weapons and telling that the telling the apartment building that they need to everyone needs to exit and that he needs to come out um with his hands up and he's saying i i didn't do anything i've been set up now the series is you finding out what has he been set up for whether or not that's actually true um what's these police police the police's case here because within the second episode they're just firing guns up into an apartment building they're not even in the building meanwhile lawrence fishburne who is a much older more um been around the block police officer is like, what are you guys doing? You, there's a scene where when they're firing the weapons into the window, um, so that the particular scene is Rayshawn has closed all the windows, but then he's on his, um, he's trying to use Instagram Live to show like there are literally six cop cars pointing guns up at, at my family in my apartment, but his son ends up coming to where his dad is. He was told to stay in a corner. But the police see Rayshawn moving past a window and rather than doing anything, because they can't even see into the house, they just say he's got a gun. They start firing. Lawrence Fishburne runs over to try to stop them. And uh, Lawrence Fishburne, yeah, gets his Emmy and very much well-deserved because he does a very nuanced performance because even though he's on the force, he's sort of the, – the series sort of it's, – it's interesting because everything I just described makes it sound like it's going to be a very um, – to, to people who – I mean, this is a politically charged – um, obviously a very politically and social, socio-politically charged narrative. People listening might think it leans very heavily to the liberal side as if um, black rights and uh, a black man's day in court or uh, to fight his case is something that uh, is liberal and not just human. Um, people will make that think that that's the case, but it's actually pretty nuanced to both sides. So for instance, a lot of the scenes with Frischburn's character are him wanting to be a good officer. But for instance, there's a scene, there's a scene where he's talking with this woman who's sort of the negotiator because they've decided this is a hostage case that he's keeping his family and son uh, as hostages. But actually, like you've seen that he's not, he's actually just, they're just in the room. They can't leave. (laughs) They just can't leave uh, because guns are being pointed at them. And Fishburne is saying he cares about making sure everyone gets out alive, but the negotiator says we care about that too because we feel nobody should have to know what it's like to kill somebody. So the scene is nuanced because Fishburne sort of looks at them, looks at her like, what you're more worried about is the the trauma of a police officer, ki- officer killing somebody and not the death of a man who may or may not be innocent. Right, And so it... It's really interesting, and it's a very patient narrative. It comes at a whopping 150 minutes. This is a very long drama, and they do at times cover – they do at times portray information through the Instagram Live, which is interesting. I never switched back to portrait mode to engage that uh, in that format. I just kept it in landscape the whole time um, because it's a very cinematic film. 
ultimately it is a film. It's not a series, um, but it's very good. I, I really enjoyed this. I don't necessarily feel comfortable with how it ends for mm-hmm. reference. I typically don't share my scores on the podcast, but I had initially thought about giving this an eight, but I did go to a seven out of 10 because I just wasn't, I just wasn't comfortable with how it ended. Um, and I felt it was pretty rushed. But yeah, I'd say you were almost right. And it does. Thank it you. is very topical. It released during a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests going on um, this year. One thought I had is, do you think like Quibi could have expanded to include like interactive elements where like so there's seeing like a character is doing like going it's doing Instagram live or something like, do you think it have been they could have done something where like you could leave comments on their Instagram post and it'd be kind of like almost like a Twitch chat kind of thing where you could just like interact. You can like his post. You can uh, whatever, where they could do all these like kind of interactive elements. Do you see that as something that Quibi could have maybe expanded to do? Yes, I think that could have been possible. Um, a la Bandersnatch, um, Netflix's Bandersnatch. And I think they also have a Kimmy Schmidt special that is also interactive. I think that could have been possible. In fact, one of the other series that we'll be talking about. I think could actually end up on Netflix, but it would have to be, and it would be treat. It could be treated like a Bandersnatch, but it's just so specialized in how you'd have to engage it that I'm not mm. sure it could be possible. But I do think if Quibi advertised more creativity as opposed to just saying, "I could, I could watch this in a Quibi," which is like, <laughs> yeah. why are you trying to purposely make a new word? You know how hard it is to make new <laughs> words. Um, Twenty twenty saw the invention of the word simp and it's like that was just like that was so difficult for people to even understand on twitch now and it was just banned on <laughs> twitch so it's like it's just ridiculous right because um, it's like because i'm sitting here i'm thinking of all these weird things you could do because like what if quibi had like a social aspect where you could like you create a pro- screenshot what you're watching <laughs> <laughs> Like, let's not get crazy here. But um, like, imagine if you could like kind of like you do with like Letterboxd where you have a profile. So let's say in Quibi, you had a profile and Mm. you could you had a stream, but your stream was like you kind of interacting with all these shows where like a character could like in one of the Quibi shows could be like, you know, retweet this for blah, blah, blah. And you could retweet that and it gets retweeted to your like your your own personal stream where you could have this kind of like weird interactive i mean that that could be a nightmare for people who have issues as parasocial like relationships yes. where like or whatever like that could be like nightmarish and they could just be turned out to be a giant meta episode of black mirror or something an episode we all participate in yeah it's it's, <laughs> just, it's some guy's final pro, like art piece that they're doing is just quibby yeah. but about like you know just like or like even like you could have like you could unlock bonus content by doing certain interactive things with oh, these other shows or um, you could even help build sort of like a, a narrative or there, what's that? There was a game where you could, you, you, you went into a cave and you had an option of saving or killing a character or something, but then like you could decide what that character said to the next player who entered, which eventually just became like nonsense where you'd walk into this cave and the character come out and just speak gibberish at you or say something offensive. But like, I'm seeing this idea of like, you could like rather than having like video game NPCs, you could have these shows 
where like side details are created by the other users where like the comments in someone's post is just other users interacting with the show. Sure. I mean, there's, there's a, there's and that concept's been practiced before. There's an independent game called home from a couple years ago where literally every time there's an option that could affect the story, you choose whether or not you choose which option it is. So for instance, you might investigate something and you get to choose like, do you find ammo or do you find no ammo? Do you, and there's not really a shooting game, but like, it it's the whole premise is like you're trying to find your wife who's gone missing also you just woke up in a sewer for no reason but you're then deciding everything up to like basically like what i'm deciding is it going to affect whether or not i get home is it going to affect whether or not my wife went missing is not missing is she dead is she not dead and you start to speculate did i kill her or did i not kill her because there's obviously a position where i don't have the information both as the gamer but also the character who has doesn't know why they woke up in a sewer. And it's actually a really cool game. I remember having a really great playthrough with it. And Quibi probably could have done that. In fact, here's another thing. A lot of these shows, almost all of them have some sort of digital slash phone aspect to them, which is kind of a no brainer. But I think that was probably like, you know, when you do an improv game and it's like you have to be like a bowling, you have to be a bowler, but also you wear clown shoes. It's like now make the skit. Like that's right. sort of what this seems to be, except for 50 States of Fright, almost everything uses some sort of phone aspect. In fact, I don't think Agua Donkeys uses phones. I'm trying to think like, actually, I'm checking through it. And I'm like, when was there a point where phones weren't used other than those two? I don't know. Yeah, I think it could have been interesting if it harpered on more of like what people can do with phones, because I think Quibi, even as a concept, is like, it's on your phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the only interesting thing it does about being on your phone is the whole flipping formats that's the only thing enjoying this episode grab that share link and tell your friends word of mouth is the most effective way for a podcast to reach new listeners so don't be shy share the episode wherever you can yeah go and keep continue with the nintendo thing from the end of last episode it's kind of like how nintendo is like with the wiimotes you can do all the it's like you're in the game and so many games just end up being like sometimes you shake just the Wiimote. shake it that's it <laughs> and you know like you could play the wii sports game like you could for your own immersiveness you could like mime the actions or you could just kind of wiggle it and like while laying on your couch yeah or like <laughs> yeah. even like the bowling game like you could just basically still just press A because it didn't really affect right. much about like the actual physics of bowling. At least that's the impression I'm getting. But um, to move on, uh, you mentioned Agua Donkeys. So I'm going to pick that one next where. OK, now, I mean, I'm kind of blowing up your entire premise because you've like you have mentioned this one to me as one that you've liked. So I'm kind of ex- I'm kind of expecting this to be somewhat of a higher quality than the other ones. Now, my impression based on the bits of information I've been able to glean from you and the title is it's going to be kind of like a goofy comedy. I don't know if it's going to be more in the vein of something The what I don't know is if it's going to be the vein of like a workaholics kind of comedy where it's just a bunch of dudes hanging out being bros, or if it's going to be more like a quirky kind of like quirky, like that recent space show that has Tim Heidecker in it um so uh oh uh spaceship eight or something moon base eight moon yeah moon, it's gonna be like kind of like a quirky offbeat comedy kind of like a portlandia kind of thing where comedy is more like nebulous in terms of it's based on like odd personalities or if it's gonna be like almost like a youtube skit show like Derek comedy or whitest kids you know but quibified <laughs> so 
that's all I got for that one. I have no idea what in the world. I don't like. I don't know if <laughs> Agua Donkeys is like the nickname they have for themselves, or if it's like a derogatory term for a type of, or if it's like a new product they're trying to launch, like they're trying to sell Agua Donkeys <laughs> or something. So Agua Donkeys is the company they work for. Okay, the company... I was so close. <laughs> yeah, were, I was were... so close. Um, it is a kind of deadbeat um comedy. It's a very like surf. I would call it a surfer comedy. Okay, where it's sort of just like. I think there's a couple of scenes I can quote. So you'll sort of, you'll sort of, um, I've watched it twice. I loved it. The, first off, I'll just say that I loved watching it. It was very funny. It, I kept thinking about scenes from it and chuckling from them. And then there are, I watched, I, I liked it so much that I told Kat, like, we have to watch this because Quibi's going to die. And I'm not sure we'll ever have the chance to watch this again. And so that was when we, we blew up the air mattress, put a bunch of comfy blankies on it. And then we snuggled up. And we watched it, which was the first time I sort of thought to myself, like, yeah, this is a this app murders social experience <laughs> because we had to cuddle up to watch it. Um, and so <laughs> unless you're really going <laughs> to grossly misinterpret Netflix and chill into Quibi and chill, um, then I guess it works. But Dude, imagine if they made like a diehard movie and you and your dad <laughs> had to like... <laughs> <laughs> well Put there are comfy two, blankies down there are and... two productions out here that are very dad energy so they're probably okay. are. Uh, dad check out this series it's great <laughs> cuddles up <laughs> uh this is just like when we were when you were a child <laughs> um no aguadonkers is great though um this they there are two guys named MP and Jer, which are the actual names of the performers. MP Cunningham is actually the guy who made it. I think Jer Jackson also helped make it, but um, I know MP Cunningham has a YouTube where he does a couple other shows. Very When I describe it, though, as a surfer comedy, deadpan comedy, these two guys are very much like just chill dudes who don't like wearing shirts at all. In fact, one of the job descriptions they have is they have to wear their shirt all the time. But when – oh, right, their job. You don't even know what their job is. Their job is just no. cleaning pools. They just kind of okay. clean pools. That's it. Okay. Um, and so the, whenever they're tasked to go clean pools, they just take their shirts off. There's one phone call they're having with their boss and their boss is like, you got to get back here. And he's like, why? We have our shirts on. But like it's a wide <laughs> shot. Their shirts are just off. Um, yeah. So the, look, just the premise is great. They're, they're trying to date their coworker who is named Jackie. They love Jackie. They both want to date her at the same time. They don't have a problem with it. They're like, we could totally date her at the same time. It's cool. Um, there's one scene where MP's like, yeah, I think like when I take her out on my first date, we're going to go to the mall because then she can just pick whatever she wants to do. And then also that'll help me figure out what she likes. And then Jer looks bashful and sad and MP's like, what's wrong? And Jer's like, I don't know. Do you mind if I do that same date with Jackie as well? And MP's like, not at all. That sounds great. <laughs> it's just like, that's... It's very progressive, yeah. So to answer my own question, it definitely is kind of the more offbeat... Non-marketable comedy that a lot of people will like because they like comedy, but not anybody else. <laughs> this, Yeah, this has strong, like, you know, Napoleon Dynamite, Nacho Libre thing where it's like, maybe not super duper funny as you're watching, but like, when you're talking about it with friends and you're remembering scenes from it, you're like, that's really funny. And it kind of like, yeah, it seems like the, once the comedy marinates in your brain, it like it really great. You grow an appreciation for it more than like 
other things where you're just sitting there and you're just like cackling maniacally as it's playing unless you just like awkward comedy which i do so there, yeah it's it is definitely awkward comedy because like one point they're they're in the office talking with jackie mp says the f word and everyone's like what's why and then they leave and the scene stays at the office while jackie's working and mp opens the door and pokes his head in and he's like jackie i just want to let you know that's like one of the only times i've ever used the f word i really don't <laughs> like using the f word and then he like taps the door and then he leaves <laughs> just, that's the comedy and that's i don't know so how else to, like, yeah. like if you're not enjoying this listener already then you're not going to enjoy aquadocus well, I mean, at all but like if to, you to, do if, if you like this kind of comedy consistently you will laugh especially if you're watching it with friends so it, to be fair like hearing jokes secondhand is never like the best way to experience them but on the yeah. other hand who knows if they'll be able to ever experience this any other way there's there's literally no way except well okay so there is a pilot that they made that is about 20 minutes long on youtube and some of the jokes are recycled some of the jokes are improved but some of them are recycled and i think at the very least you can enjoy some of the comedy on YouTube, but the Quibi series is the quintessential, dare I say, premium version of Agua Donkeys to watch. Hey there, listener. Want to influence the podcast? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support the show for $3 a month. In doing so, you'll be able to vote on a movie poll that picks a film we discuss each month. So jump on over there and have your voice heard. So, like, what is the Quibi, like, when you flip your phone during Agua Donkeys, what happens? Nothing. It just focuses on one guy. In fact, most of the shows, it's just <laughs> formatted to focus on, like, one specific uh, thing. $1.5 billion well spent to this innovative idea of sometimes you get close-ups. A lot of shows don't really use it. And apart from being kind of interesting, you just flip your phone back to normal. So... It doesn't matter. Well, good thing you couldn't watch it on TV. <laughs> Thank God they prevented me from seeing Agua Donkeys in an easier in my eyes format. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's. I guess we can move on. Uh, we're making great time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I'm just gonna go. So is flipped now. Flipped. Before I even guess, I'm gonna pitch what my vision for flipped would be which is it's based on the book flipped and when you flip your phone between the two aspect ratios you switch between the two characters tell me about the book so the book flipped is i might be misremembering it but i remember it was one of the it had the picture of the bird on the cover and in high school and middle school a lot of kids i knew read the book i never read it but it's about somebody who wakes up in someone else's body or something like that so I would definitely make if I was to make a Quibi show, my dream, it would be where it's like two characters that switch places. And when you switch your phone around, it switches perspectives where you see the show from another character's perspective. Is, is that your final answer? If that's correct, I'm going to be so happy with myself. I know it. Screw it. That's my final answer. What is, is that? That sounds it? like a better show because uh, Flipped <laughs> is the worst show that oh, I watched no. on Quibi. <laughs> no. I, OK. Can I, so what I think Flipped is... <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you some grace. 
because flipped okay. itself did not give me any grace while watching it. So go ahead. Okay. I don't have any other pitches. What is, what is flipped? This is a Will Fort and, or Forte or Forte. I'm Forte, sure he I loves think, that right? people don't know his yeah. name and Caitlin Olson vehicle. Caitlin okay. Olson from that's uh, sweet D from it's always sunny. Uh huh. And, okay. The premise is that they are house flippers, or rather they want to be house flippers, but the house that they go to purchase and flip is a drug lord's house for storing money. And they find the money, not knowing whose it is, and use it to flip the house. Um, This series is boring. I did not find it funny. It is one of those things that theoretically sounds funny where two people who love those flipping shows decides to do their own, finds a lot of money. It's a drug lord's house. And then they have to basically they go on this trail of like flipping drug lords houses. So they just like are asked like the person's like, you've used all my money. You're going to flip my home. Oh, don't remember, though. You still stole from me. You're going to flip my friend's home. And uh, like that sounds funny, like the sort of thing you would riff about. I like that premise. I like that premise. You sound like it sounds like you would riff about it with your friends and it would be really fun and you'd get you'd laugh harder and harder because things get more extreme. But like in practice, it's not very funny. I would say like the only time I laughed is there's this hard cut where basically after they flipped the first guy's home and they filmed it because they had a film crew come in to film it. They're like, before you kill us and just sort of hide our dead bodies in the middle of a desert. Can you watch our edited video to tell if it fits any good? And then a hard cuts to the drug Lord sitting in the chair, looking at like <laughs> after effects. <laughs> and it's like, I, I thought that was funny, but like everything else isn't very funny. I think it's because I don't think I find Will Fort, Will Forte, Will Forte. Thanks for very, I'll, I'll run with uh, all three at the same time. Um, 48 <laughs> Will Forte. <laughs> I find him very funny as a performer, but I don't find him uh, in this to be a good lead character. And then Caitlin Olsen also, I just don't have any sort of like as a as a fan of people. Um, I haven't really watched enough with her to enjoy her. So I just didn't find the two of them interesting as leads or performers. And um, Arturo Castro, who is, I believe, from Narcos, I think... And apparently, if Lady in the Trip, the Disney one, I don't know who he plays or voices in that. It says Joe. It says he voices Joe or performs as Joe, whoever that uh, is. My favorite Disney character. He's got a very, he's got a baby face. So think like. Like super babies? Like baby Jesus. <laughs> I was just going to say Michael Sarah. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, my, my answer was dumb. Michael Sarah. It's just not good. I did not enjoy it. Uh, I didn't wasn't offended by it. I just found it boring. But this is the only show that when Quibi says we have shows that actually felt like a show because it ends on a cliffhanger where it could have kept going. But also, you know how like when a movie is coming to a close, characters have their closing scene. Right. Yes. Well, several characters in this do not have a closing scene, but are not like resolved resolved. And so it's clear that like flipped was intended to keep going. So unfortunately, that's not going to happen. So, well, actually, fortunately, because I didn't care. But um, this is the only show that felt like this because Free Ray Sean ends. Agua Donkeys could continue, but it doesn't need to. And 50 States of Fright is an anthology. So it's just going to go till all the states are done unless they decide to do territories. Um, <laughs> no, they went with the Suf- Sufjan Stevens route or they did a few states and then quit. Yeah. So. Occupied. um Occupied lands or something. <laughs> yeah, flipped is the only one that felt like they could be like flipped to Electric Boogaloo or the Squeakwall. So. so, I might be thinking of a different show then because I, was is this the show where some of it is shot like one of those House Hunters type shows? 
House Hunters? What do you mean? You, like, it's a show where, like, like, hi, we're Steve and, and Jackie, and we're we have a budget of two million dollars, and we're looking. So for... part of it is shot like that, in okay. the sense of like they play it up. She did see advertising for this then, okay? Because there's another one that's Murder House flipped, and I did not watch that. Oh, because okay. that sounds that exploitative. I don't like that. <laughs> so I find I find true crime frustrating and often exploitative, and so the idea of like we flip houses. That people were brutally murdered in does not sound <laughs> exciting to me at all. That's uh, uh, we're of different taste then, because I think done well that could be a really interesting show where it's like if it's you respectful, see, well, I could see it interesting. In my but... mind, it's more like straight horror where like the first half of an episode is like somebody being like they're just showing the houses, but then the background occasionally you see like a ghostly figure. And it's a, if you do that really subtly. That could be really interesting. Oh, well, Murder House Flipped is a real world thing. Oh, this is no, oh, it's not fictional. No, that was, okay. I believe, a, a real <laughs> okay. thing. That's very different than I retract my. If they did a Ghost Adventures thing where it's like, here's the history about it, that could be interesting. But even Ghost Adventures, because Ghost Adventures at some point was like, wait a minute, everybody knows this is fake. Let's just spend like. Th- 20 minutes of our 22 minutes talking about the history and then the other two minutes is zach baggins screaming um <laughs> so no murder house flipped i didn't watch and i believe was a real world thing flipped oh, has okay. sequences that are fictional of them working on the house which can be funny theoretically like for instance they're like we didn't have the space to do like a a brick oven brick pizza oven so we made this tiny one and it's like only big enough for like mini pizzas, like bagel bites. <laughs> and like, that's really funny in theory, but like, it's very boring to watch because all of the lighting in this is very like Hallmark lighting and all of the acting is very not their best. And I know it's a comedy, but people, and so some people accept like half acting for acting, but then like you talk about the office and the reason Michael Scott's so great is because Steve Carell is just killing it. So I don't know. Right. Because I, I, I was just about to say, like, a, you know, mockumentary style execution of this is like a House Hunters, House Flipping, you know, Property Brothers type show, but with a narrative element. Like, to me, that has a lot of potential, either as comedy or drama, or as I spelled out, the like horror. Like, I think I love the idea of we're taking one format and we're going to slowly have this other genre seep in in a way that feels kind of like i don't i feel like people say grounded and realistic but like too often to describe something but a way that feels natural for what you're doing and especially with like a quibi show like i think again a fun way to play with the format is you could even do a thing where depending on how you're holding your phone you're getting a house hunter property brothers type reality show or you can hold it a different angle and you get like a narrative, more narrative straight, like traditional television show, like aspect ratio or whatever. So the way the gimmick worked in this was sometimes like there was one scene where they're like, we're going to phone call the house owner, but they're standing next to each other, but they're divided in the center. So like one character is beside the house and then the other character is kind of outside. So if you flipped it, like to portrait mode, you'd probably see the one person, but then obviously the joke is that they're right next to each other. So you see their arm peeking through, but the only actual thing in flip that I noticed where this difference happened was because it was clear there were two different cameras shooting the same scene because when I was in portrait, the camera was a little to the left and I saw more of the one side of the actors. And then when I went to landscape, I got the true image where I saw not just the full screen, but a different angle. 
So they had like, you know how the Irishman was like four cameras on one rig? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, or three cameras. This was like, for some reason, they shot on two different cameras. I don't know. Why can't you just do that in post-production? <laughs> Man, <laughs> so. like, like as we go through these shows, I keep thinking of things that I'm like, you know what? That sound be- pretty cool, don't right. they? <laughs> well, it really, it almost feels like, and I have no nothing to back this up on. I don't have any, I don't have any scoops or anything. But it, it almost feels like they just picked up pilots or ideas for other shows and just like we're shooting this on Quibi. They were more interested in just having a a distribution format for their project they've wanted to work on than perhaps using the gimmick present right from quibi yeah because it seems like somebody like hey we have a Will forte um show you know and we got um caitlin olsen on board and the, this is the sitcom we want to do and then someone from quibi was like we could put that on quibi you know and or like yeah they shopped this around and like you know comedy central turned them down and netflix turned them down but quibi was there you know, because I'm sitting here thinking of like all these things you could do with the format where like imagine like a mystery show where depending on how you're holding your phone, you can see different clues or like it could be a great way to work in Easter eggs or or even just like different character perspectives. Like imagine a science fiction show where if you held the phone um, portrait wise or predator whatever, vision, yeah, predator <laughs> vision. Exactly. Like you could see from the from the from the angle of like the robot character or something, you know. And so far, like, so far, none of the shows seem to be utilizing this intro. Because, like, in the only marketing I saw, or, like, even, like, the only the only thing I read, really, leading up to Quibi was this, like, phone thing. Where, like, oh, like, they're going to play with, if, depending on how you hold your phone, it's going to do different things. And so far, it's just, you switch <laughs> to a different aspect ratio. And that's right. it. There's no other content. There's no other insight into the program. It doesn't play like with the format. It doesn't make it more immersive. That's disappointing because flipped like the idea of playing with genres where you're mixing two things and you have two formats like that to me seems like a marriage of like an idea with like the actual like distribution service that just doesn't happen at all. So that's just kind of disappointing to me. Well, it was the worst one. So that's okay. (laughs) Be disappointed. There, There you go. Been itching for Cinematic Doctrine merch? Check out the support tiers on Patreon. We're offering merch to those who support at select tiers. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and share your support. There's a link in the show notes too. Uh, so I'm going to go with, I'll save, I'll save the princess bride for the next one. Let's do home. Oh, something to come back for. Yeah, yeah. Also, I think I know what that one is. So, we'll, so run this city. It's so based on the title, I'm going to assume it's a crime drama type show. Uh, maybe similar to you know The Wire or Power or something like that. Um, I'm going to assume you follow a rags to riches like. Uh, a character that's sort of rising up in the ranks either through like a gang or some sort of drug trade or maybe i'm thinking too crime based on run the city um maybe it's just more like somebody who's trying to like run nightclubs or something and i have no idea how the phone quibi angle would affect this type of show unless you see text messages from like other people they're working with kind of kind of like in grand theft auto where your your cousin keeps asking a bowl or something. I don't know. It's such a generic title that's tough to like come up with anything. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, also, just keep thinking of that um, Jay-Z song, Run This Town. So I don't know if that plays into it at all. That's all I got. So Run This City, Run this city is a Mark Wahlberg-produced documentary. Well, I wasn't even close. <laughs> <laughs> and the premise, uh, I'll just read this verbatim from the description. Drama following Jaisal Correa, who at 23 was the youngest person elected mayor of Fall River, Massachusetts. Um, this was my second uh, lowest because it is a documentary that is very confused, um, does little to really give me information um, other than, wow, he's 23. <laughs> Ain't that something? Ain't that something that the young people are political? It's just not good. It's very directionless um, and not interesting and boring. And anything that had interest, it sort of mentions and then vanishes. So, like, it talks about how he like moved in to like fix some problems. And it's one of the things they talk about is how like the town hates being taxed. Go figure. And um, they had this issue with trash. And trash still needed to be paid off. So there was a tax introduced. So for like, hey, we'll take care of your trash. But, you know, there still needs to be a tax for trash being taken care of. People didn't like it. So they booted a mayor. People didn't like it again. So they booted another mayor. And then, of course, he comes in and and be, it becomes sort of one of the lead guys. But it does chronologue some of the stuff that's very politician-y, where like, obviously, it's a he said, she said issue. But mostly it's just boring. And I think this one was heavily impacted by the fact that it's a seven to nine minute format. So like it could never really dig into something without having to then reiterate it the next episode and catch you up to speed on what you already learned and then couldn't go much further because it had to spend two minutes catching you up with what you just heard a second ago because you just watched the previous episode. Always important to remember that I watched all of these in a binge format, so I just didn't have right, to wait right, for the next right. episode. So like hearing the same thing four times and never getting new information is very boring. I did not like this. The only interesting thing about it is that in terms of makes you think is that he's self-proposed religious individual who had a lot of churches praying for him, who also was known to be spending money on pornography and sleeping with people and going to strip clubs. And everyone just went, well, I guess whatever. And they interview the sister and the sister goes, well, I don't like thinking about it, but whatever. And then the girlfriend that he talks to or the interview is like, you know, I mean, it's not good, but whatever. And I'm over here like, are Who we just are we not going to gonna judge? be? Yeah. Right. And it's like, but God forbid some some church person actually says the scriptures say sexual immorality is bad. God forbid we mention that in Revelation, Jesus is talking to churches, uh, metaphorically saying he will blow out their candle. In other words, saying you will not be my people if you continue in sexual immorality. But I guess it's okay because he doesn't tax you for your trash. Whatever. Um, this was more frustrating because it was just like, I mean, I, I enjoy not having to keep up with politics sometimes primarily because it's fresh and we're, we're not going to dig into this. Um, but <laughs> beyond what I'm just sort of lamenting this is in the terms Quibi of episodes, not the <laughs> politics episode, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not good. We could honestly just end this episode and get started on the next one and talk about <laughs> well, the others because there's nothing to yeah. talk about here. But remember, everything I just said, Flipped is still more boring and less interesting than Run This City. I just don't get, like, why was this on Quibi? You know, like, I get that they just want it. You need to have something on your service. It right. gotta have some shows, you know? And I, you need diversity. Like, you it's need cheap. A, a lot of this stuff is cheaper to produce. That's why Netflix has so much true crime and documentaries is because it's cheaper to produce than something that's scripted. I guess. 
yeah, I mean, there's that angle, obviously, but also just thinking in terms of brand recognition, right? Like Quibi is supposed to be cutting edge. It's supposed to be like, you know, the, this is the new frontier of streaming. Like what? And it's all, most of these shows so far they've talked about, I can kind of see why somebody who's trying to make a forward thinking kind of streaming service would want to have these other shows that are quirky or weird or, um, or, you know, so all these other shows I see in this list that you've sent me, a lot of them have like kind of brands recognition to some extent is this just did they just ask mark Wahlberg for a show and this is just what he handed in <laughs> they're just like i don't know well i guess we gotta put it on quibi and we need something so yeah. i'm just puzzled at everything you just said because like even the story you just described this doesn't seem like a particularly interesting figure the interesting part is that he's young that's it but they don't really contextualize why that's interesting. There's yeah. no discussion on like, like just like Quibi being older people looking at younger people going, let's market to it. Run This City is also just older people looking at how interesting it is somebody so young is in power, but never really digging into why that might be interesting. For instance, generational changes. What is it about this kid's understanding of perhaps social media to engage people? What is it about his personality that might be different to an older generation? Is there, like, what is it? Um, but it never really gets into it. It basically starts with older people, like 40-year-old people had run this city as mayor before. Then this kid came in for a couple of years. <laughs> and now it Who ends you'll also- you not 40, yeah. Right. And then it ends with now a 40-year-old is running the city again. And that's it. That's like, so <laughs> it's one of those things where you just full circle, but not in a poetic sense, more in a like, you wasted your time sense. As so, much as you don't, as much as we, you don't want to like tamper too much with like a documentary, you need an angle. And so like, is the angle- Look how this guy flamed out and failed is the angle. Look how we just weren't ready for this guy's young gumption and he had all these great ideas. Right. Like this could have been the angle could have been here is a culture, culture, society or political situation that essentially had its um, midlife crisis where it's old and dated and it's an old system, but it's trying so hard to relive its time of being young and being innovative because like he's always like. All these people who are in power didn't do anything. And I come in and I try to do everything, which sounds like somebody who just found their first gray hair, bought a convertible, is going to the movies or in the office when um, Creed is like the old people are going to be taken out because the website's being put in. So he dyes his hair black with the ink toner. Like, that's what this is. Um, But then you just know in the next episode, he's going to go back to having normal hair again. He's going to be the old guy who says weird things like how they had a funeral for a bird. I don't know. Anyways. I'm going to go ahead and assume that flipping your phone around <laughs> didn't radically Did change. Absolutely nothing. And I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think like <laughs> what the, like flipped didn't really have a phone thing to it. But if you watched on your phone, I'm sure during the, now, you know, I don't really know what the phone thing was that gimmick it. Cause like I said, everything kind of had a phone in it. Um, Run the city though. I think it was just, he's a young person who uses social media was the phone thing. <laughs> Which novel idea? Thanks, Quibby. You know, it'd be great is if you flipped your phone and just cut to like Mark Wahlberg behind the camera, just like sitting, like <laughs> being like, mm, "This is art." <laughs> or whatever. And it's a very progressive thing because he's working with a lot of Vietnamese people. So, it's, like, very... <laughs> wow! He just periodically just shows him tap on my shoulder, going, "Good You're job, just buddy. as good as anyone else." You know, no animosity here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I just like it's weird that Mark Wahlberg gets a free pass from so many people because he's done so many objectively not cool things. More than Mel Gibson. More than I think he's done. He's done more than Mel Gibson, and Mel Gibson typically is more questionable. People are more openly questionable about him as opposed to Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, that's what makes Daddy's Home too such a problematic movie, I guess. Or it's like Mark Wahlberg and Mel Gibson. Just- well, Mark Wahlberg hasn't had his self-aware film. Like Mel Gibson had Dragged Across Concrete. And I haven't Vince seen Vaughn. that yet. They both. But- it's a it's a very purposely casted film um, with both Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson. But the fact that they're in it is significant. I think of maturity and growth. Right. Um, but Mark Wahlberg is just like I like Transformers and women. <laughs> it's just like, this guy's all right. He's from Boston. We love him. Um, yeah, little Marky Mark. Not just, culturally um, appropriating hip hop culture at all. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.